0: so far this year um, does
1: that put any pressure on you guys to succeed who people? are the golden knights <laughs> um the
0: you know, no, only pressure is, is that the sniping of people saying you got to do as good as them
1: it's just good uh, vegas is treating
0: us well and i think the record doesn't show how hard that we work and it's tough in that way but it's good for us in the inner circle to understand what we have going on in vegas and if we just continue to trust and believe in each other the sky's the limit for this team and i'm just i'm blessed to be a part of it our expectations maybe at the start of the season were a little unrealistic man we're not even worried about the playoffs right now what we do what we do is we take it week by week we just gotta we gotta worry about next week you start looking ahead and you start looking over people you might not be amazing so that being said to me urban meyer is one of the lowest pieces of garbage there is on this earth What's going on, everybody? You already know what it is. It's your boy, Jose V, coming to you live from Las Vegas, Nevada. You are tuned into to another episode of Straight Bet Sports. I know, not the normal scenario background that you're used to. I'm not in the studio. I'm hanging out in the loft at the crib tonight. We're doing the show on a more interview-style basis. We're trying to switch things up. Me and Ian are still going to be doing our thing like we do from time to time. That's not going to change. We were on SportsX Radio last night on 101.5 K Don. Here, 101.5 FM, filling in for Ken Thompson on SportsX Radio. Fun time there. We had a great show. If you guys missed that, check out the archives on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, the Odyssey app, streaming live everywhere. Not only that, you can check out the archives of the show we had last night. We had our guy, Dwayne Colucci, Rampart Racing Sportsbook Manager, joining us, talking about the handle with all things college basketball, crazy games yesterday. We talked about that and all the action that was coming in. We also had our guy, Marvin Coleman, on the show, former UNLV running rebel, Um, Evansville point guard as well, finished out his college career there, his final season there. We talked to him about that, how that was, which is good because it's going to be a topic of conversation that we're having today with the guest that we're going to have on, which is the transfer portal, right? Marvin was a part of that for the first time in his career, getting out of UNLV and having to go somewhere else and try to find a different location for him to go and play some ball and finish out his college career, which he did that. But the guest we're going to have tonight, it's, it's, it's someone that I feel doesn't get the opportunity to speak as much. And what I mean by that, more people need to listen to this individual. If you're a big person when it comes to college sports or college basketball in Las Vegas, especially UNLV sports, then you should know who this individual is. Now, not going against UNLV. We're not here to to, to bash anyone or nothing like that. That's not what this show is about tonight. We're talking about the transfer portal. And is it good for college basketball, right? Is it good for UNLV? Is it good for college programs all around the country right now as we speak? When you have teams bringing in a lot of different guys trying to create teams for that season, when all you have is transfer portal, guys, doesn't really create the type of, you know, how can I say this, the legacy, the the lasting legacy, the tradition that you would expect from a college. So I wanted to get um, our guy, Coach Che Jones, on here with us today to talk a little bit about the transfer portal, and what we got going on, but before I get him on here. I'm going to ask you guys like I do every single week. Drop that comment, drop that like, press that share. Let everyone know what it is you are tuned into, and we will go from there. We greatly appreciate you again. We are live on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. If you search Straight Bet Sports, we are live on all of those platforms. Now, if you missed this show, you can always catch it later on as well. If you're not someone that likes to watch but listen because that's the type of things you're into, we're also available on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, whatever you want. We are there. You can find us. So we greatly appreciate all the love and all the support. Last night was crazy, man. A lot of crazy college basketball. I definitely want to talk a little bit about those games with our guest here, and then we're going to get into our topic of the night. So before I do so, let me go ahead and bring in our guest, our guy, Ched Jones. What's good, my guy? How are you doing?
1: I'm good, good, man. How are you you doing? doing?
0: Hey, I'm excited because uh, you and I spoke on the phone already earlier this morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had our text conversation the last couple of days. And you also brought something in light to me that I, I feel very stupid that I didn't know that I should have known, especially someone covering media out here in Vegas. But like you said, I wasn't around during that certain time, right? And now, what I mean by that is let's jump on this topic right off the bat. It's the assist record in the NCAA that was broken last night, right? In the NCAA tournament for a game. Talk a little bit about that and how much it means to you because. You were very vocal to me about how you felt it really wasn't recognized as much out here as it should have been. Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, you know um, we're, talking we're talking about, about, a, about guy a guy who was, who was a, a quality, quality, quality point guard, um, who was a consummate point guard who kind of set the tone for a lot of game. Vegas guys as to, to what, what a point guard, point guard looks like. like. Um, um, playing, playing with elite, elite players, players um, and you, and also, you also often you get lost, lost in the sauce. In the sauce. Getting the ball ball to to these guys, guys. you know, Um, today's today's game game is a little little bit bit different different because because everybody kind of shoots the ball. Everybody has the opportunity to go score 25, 30 points. But um, back then, point guards, their responsibility was to get the ball to the guys that could fill it up. At that time, those guys were Gerald Patio, who I think is one of the best shooters UNLV has ever had, and obviously Freddie, uh, Freddie Banks. But the guy that got the ball to these guys was none other than Mark Wade. Mark Wade was a pass first, pass second, pass third point guard, okay? He would always find somebody, not only find them open, but find them in rhythm. And the other side of being a point guard is not only did he get the ball to people, but he also took care of the basketball. He wasn't a guy that could give you seven or eight assists, but also turn the ball over three or four times. He was a guy that took care of the basketball for, for the vast majority of the game and uh really made great plays um i think as a as a as a community has no, nothing to do with unlv as a community i think we dropped the ball in recognizing such a great rebel, such a great player this is the guy who had a record in the final four against indiana in 1987 had 18 assists okay as you know the record last night broken by Marquise was 19 assists okay mark had this record it held for 36 years The Final Four has incrementally gotten better year after year after year to the point where it rivals the Super Bowl as the top sporting event every single year. It surpassed the World Series, NBA playoffs even, okay? Um, And for 36 years, this record has stood. 18 assists, more importantly, zero turnovers, okay? Um, It really set the tone for not only – You know, I I think I like I like in Las Vegas to be second to New York City when it comes to point guards. We really produce great point guards out here. Okay. Um, and one of the first guys that really set that tone um on an elite on the national elite level was Mark Wade. And he was the he was the predecessor to Greg Anthony. And we all know the success that uh that Greg had as a point guard here at UNLV. So for so many Las Vegans to have number one. No idea that he broke that, but more importantly, the fact that when they saw his name on the board, a lot of them, it didn't resonate to them that this is, this is Mark Wade. It didn't resonate to him. So, you know, I, I think that, that uh, I, I think we collectively not, you know, and, and like you said, we're not here to bash UNOV. This isn't necessarily a UNLV thing. I think this is a Las Vegas thing. Um, we get tired of things quickly like we did when we were kids, you know, you get that new toy for Christmas. And by the time your birthday rolls around, it, it, it's collecting dust, you know, or like some of our wives and their treadmills.
0: Yeah. Oh my, if I could show you the room next to me, you'd see the treadmill the wife has right there. I'm you mean, really
1: you mean the coat rack? The coat
0: rack, exactly. That's where you hang so, the stuff that you take out the washer that you don't want to put in the dryer, that's where you put it. <laughs> <the dryer.
1: laughs> so yeah, you know, I, I think that we, uh, we've, you've seen that with some of the hotels and the properties around town. We, um, we tear things down, we get rid of things, and we move on to the next thing. And I do think it's important to move forward. But um, as I posted earlier, you know, um, our past is our past. And, and it is, it's beautiful, it's storied, it's turbulent, it's a lot of things, but it is our past. And if we don't do a, a, a better job of, of, of recognizing our past, the president is going to pass, is going to move right past us, you know.
0: So I, I wanna share the video that you posted on, on Twitter just to give some oh, okay. people an understanding of, of how much, not only this record meant to you as an individual in the city of Las Vegas, but as, as a rebel, right? For the rebel program at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. It's time for me to talk to my man, a legend right here. They don't, they don't understand, man. Hey, I'm here with the dude that's inspired me as a point guard, as a kid. Last night, a great thing happened in college basketball. Young kid, Marquise Noel, broke a record that stood for 36 years. This is the man who originally had it. Las Vegas, stand up, show love to this man right here. 18 assists, in regulation, zero turnovers, okay? That's how you do it. Mark Wade, man, we appreciate you. You have been a mentor to me. You have been a guy that I looked up to for the longest. I appreciate you. We're going to talk about you more today. All love, baby. All love. Love Love. you, brother. Love you, too. Hey, be safe.
0: And again, I show that video not to harp on it or to throw it in anybody's face, but that that just shows at the end of the day that I look at it this way, okay, Che? And this is from what me and you were talking about earlier. You Mm -hmm. even mentioned how I wasn't around during that time. You know what I mean? Um, I've been here since two thousand and seven. But I knew about the program, obviously, before me coming here. Obviously, I've known more of it because I was a fan before I started doing media. So I've seen the ins, the outs, the coaches, the head coaching changes, you know, the ups, the downs, the question marks about the alumni, things of that nature. Why aren't certain individuals around? You know, why aren't other individuals getting opportunities to come back and help this program build to what it used to be? But then I also take a step back and and I ask myself, why aren't we asking this about parents and original UNLV fans. And what I mean by that, our fans from the 80s, from the early 90s, the grassroots, the original people that were here, right? I'm pretty sure yeah. a lot of those had kids. Those kids probably already have kids now as well. So those have people have grandchildren. Yeah. I think, and again, not talking down to the UNLV community or the Las Vegas community at all, but looking from the outside in, I would say that we've probably done a bad job as a UNLV community, as a fan base, for the original fan base to continue that legacy within their family. Now, again, we all have different views. Some of us might say, well, it's hard to follow a program that sucks, or they can't win, this and that. My mindset is different. Whether the program wins one game or 30 games, I'm still gonna go support and be there in the stands, whether I'm media or I'm a fan, because at the end of the day, I did play sports when I was younger. I knew what it was like when people were there rooting you on, as to where there was no one there. It's a big yeah. difference, and it's a huge feeling. So, would you say that w- maybe the Las Vegas Valley hasn't done that great of a job as 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 grooming our kids coming up to become UNLV fans?
1: Well, well, definitely. You know, the um, the responsibility to preserving history is on the shoulders of the ancestors. Okay, it's not necessarily uh, up to the up to the book writers, uh, you know. It's up to us. And who are those ancestors? Those are the people that are today in their 60s and 70s that that were young people and uh, watching those games at the time and saw the uh, saw not only how the program went to, you know, just I mean, just unbelievable heights. But more importantly, what this program did to change the complexion of basketball in general. OK, Um when you look at the way basketball is played today and you go back to the late, the mid, late eighties, early nineties, there was only one team on earth that played this way. And and that was right there at 4505 South Maryland Parkway. Um, That style of play is very, very common. Now Um, you saw uh, last night, you saw UConn really take control of the game early on and really put Arkansas on their heels trying to play that pace of a game. Um, filling lanes, getting post guys running down the middle of the floor, pushing the ball 80, 80 70 feet with one dribble and one pass. Um, really forcing guys to, to defend the entire basketball court as opposed to just four or five feet around the basket. That style of play was a style of play that was born here. And it was it, – it, now, now, let's not – get crazy a lot of programs tried to run that that what that way but they didn't have the proper personnel what coach tarcanian and his staff did at that time was play a style of basketball that a lot of people at the times wanted to say wasn't real basketball but he, he structured it and he made it in a way that it was almost impossible to compete against a team playing that way if you weren't in the level of conditioning that they were and you weren't able because you weren't able to mimic that in practice OK, and this is what I said. Remember, I said this about Princeton. The biggest problem with matching up with teams like this, it is isn't a contrast of styles. That's the really I mean, that's obvious to fans. What the real thing is, is how do you prepare for that? Because your kids can't do that. Guess what? If your kids could do that, they'd be playing there instead of for you. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know? So the truth of the matter is it, it's a it's a uh, it's a testament to playing a style of basketball that was so uniquely different than what everyone else was doing, and then have having not just success, but the type of success that still to this day, people will say that, those, that that team may have been one of the best college basketball teams, maybe even teams, period. Okay? It's a great team. It's up there with some of those wooden teams, right? So you win with that. You get to an astronomical height, and you slowly but surely see the style of those the style of play, the, the, the aura of the team, the connect connectedness of the players and their coaches and their fan base, you saw that begin to permeate itself across college basketball. You saw first Michigan adopt that style, okay? And, you know, and it's no coincidence that a kid from Detroit was, was a part of that and kids from Michigan began to do it. The next thing you know, that was pretty much the way college basketball looked from there on out.
0: Once again, you're tuning in to Straight Bet Sports Live here on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. We got our guy, Coach Ched Jones, joining us live here from Las Vegas, Nevada. We're both in Vegas, so we're talking UNLV basketball. But we also want to talk about the transfer portal. Now, I'm going to bring up a video here, which some people may laugh at the end of the video because it's a funny comment, but it's very true. Ched was on our show a little over a year ago when we were back at Gorilla Cross Radio. Big shout out to Quan at Gorilla Cross. I'm still working there, by the way. Engineering shows doing another thing. Um, But um, we were were in the studio and we were talking college basketball. We were talking transfer portal because the fact that UNLV had nine guys at the time coming in through the transfer portal, which is one thing that I've always said. The transfer portal to me, from my understanding as a fan and as a media member, has always been for you to grab that one or two individuals that you may need to complete your team that you feel you may be missing to possibly make that run or be that better team that season, right? not to bring in a whole recruitment of a roster and nine guys and think we're going to gel from day one. I mean, again, I think we've seen that with UNLV because we saw that towards the end of the season where some of the games looked like they were getting a lot better together overall as a cohesive unit, but then you also saw them fall apart at times where you didn't expect that to happen, right? So it's just, to me, I don't know how Kevin thinks he can succeed year in and year out, bringing in pure transfer portal. Guys, now, before we get your thoughts on the transfer portal, I'm going to put up the video here real quick, and then okay. um, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about it after that. But I just – it's tough, man. If you're going to recruit kids and you're going to bring them out and you're going to try to you know, show them some type of dream or, or try to basically give them something, then you got to create more than just, hey, we're going to be a transfer portal team. We're gonna to try to bring in guys, and we're gonna to try to create something. And I want you to do something that you've never done before. You're, you're adding more stress to that kid when it comes to that season, in my opinion. But this is what Chet had to say on the show a little over a year ago. Check it out.
1: That's the one thing that really gets lost of what's happening with Kevin right now. I can't think of a situation in which a guy brings in ten new faces. Yeah. That, that seldom happens in football. It doesn't happen. You know what I mean? At all. And and, and you're talking about guys who who were justin webster put up numbers where he was mike Nuga put up numbers where he was josh baker was a juco like a guy coming out of juco that can get it done all right then you have other guys that didn't get a lot of minutes so you got those three guys are getting less minutes than three guys who didn't play at all last year now these guys that were averaging two points three points are now averaging 15 16 17. so now are what's their mentality what are they thinking since I had 15 last night, I should get 15 again tomorrow? <laughs> or are the guys that are saying, "Hey, I averaged 17 points a game last year, and I'm only playing four minutes. When I get in there, I'm jacking it up." It's hard to deal with all those different personalities. That, that's the situation. Yeah. I'm telling you, I would not want to be in. And this is the downside of the portal. The portal is a beautiful car with a bad transmission. <laughs> it's a beautiful car. <laughs> it looks with good. A bad transmission. It looks good. It looks. You hop in and you turn it on, it <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're like, "Damn." Uh- Hey now it may sound funny to a lot of people, but for, for for people that know that comment right there couldn't be farther from the truth right and, and it and it, it elaborate a little more on what you meant and what you felt by that when you were saying that what
1: first and foremost you know first and foremost, I think that people have to understand the precarious situation that Kevin was put in in the very beginning, okay? you're talking about a guy who is a young coach not just chronologically, but just in the profession, he's, you know, he's, he's new to the profession. You know, he's, he's a young coach. He's finding his way and will his way be, you know, Lon Kruger 2.0 or will it be Kevin Kruger, you know, for, you know, the first go round, you know, and he's finding his way. I think he needs to be given the freedom to find his way. Okay. With that being said, I don't think there was another coach in America that took over a program that he he got he got there and looked and there were the cupboards were bare. He had Bryce Hamilton, Reese Brown. Like he, he didn't have he didn't have enough guys to put five on the court when he walked through the door. You know, so he had to do something. So in retrospect, we can say, well the portal wasn't great for him and stand and because the team didn't get to the NCAA's. But the truth of the matter is this think of it from this perspective. The better players more the, the, the more advanced hungry players would have come out of JUCO. Now, I'm a JUCO guy. I've, I've coached the majority of my career at junior colleges, right? However, I know firsthand that you cannot rely on JUCO kids because not all JUCO kids are ready or astute academically to be able to come in and handle the rigors of playing a sport and getting it done in the classroom. And If there's any place in America... Where you can't bring kids in that are going to flunk out before Christmas, it's UNLV. The The reality is, and we talk about our past, the reality is this. There is zero tolerance here for students that can't get it done. There's zero tolerance here for, for kids that are trying to take the shortcut. So, that's, a, that's another obstacle that's in Kevin's way, and, and maneuvering his way through that, both here in the city and nationally is something that's, gonna, that's difficult and it would be difficult for anyone, regardless of how long you've been coaching a game. So that, with that being said, you have to weigh the options. Are you going to get freshmen that may miss their girlfriend come the first game by midnight madness? Are you going to get Juco kids who still are struggling academically okay or? Are you going to roll the dice and say, I'm going to go with this kid who has been at a Division One school for two years, for three years, okay? He can handle what this takes every single day. He understands the decorum of being a Division One athlete. These other two options, they are not ready, okay? Now, that's year one. Year two, due to graduation, some guys leaving, you're kind of faced with the same situation. So building a culture is kind, has kind of gotten lost in just trying to field a team, field a roster, you know? So when I say he needs to be given the opportunity and the freedom to find his way, that's what he needs. He needs someone to get the community to relax a little. He needs someone to help him identify what type of portal kids are the best because I, I liken a portal to recruiting junior college basketball. If you, any team in America, you go and say, I'm taking seven Juco kids. Let me tell you, as much as I love the NJCAA, that is a risk that I don't think it is wise to take. There's so many reasons that I have experienced all of them. There are so many reasons why that's not a good idea. Okay. So I, I think we're all in the we're all at the moment trying to figure out how the portal fits in because it's not an academic issue that we're concerned with it's not necessarily an ability issue that we're concerned with because regardless of how you cut it at one point in time these kids were the cream of the crop that's why they were division 1 recruits okay something somewhere along the line there was a, there was some kind of Something that happened that didn't allow these kids to either fulfill their potential or they lost interest. I mean, if you're if you're playing at Kansas State and you're doing well, and then all of a sudden here comes Keontae Johnson, <laughs> what are you going to do? Because he's it's, playing. It's tough. It, he's going to play. Okay. If, if you're at if you're at you know you're at some place, and then you know the big kid from uh, Edie from Purdue decides to transfer because his girlfriend got the master's program somewhere in California. And now all of a sudden at 6'9 you look up and here's seven four coming on campus. The portal might be for you. <laughs> all right. You know, so we I think we're all in the, at that stage. We're trying to figure out where the portal fits into recruiting, conferences, uh, uh, just there's a there's a myriad of things that that precede whether or not the portal is good. Now, the flip side of that is you have a lot of kids who were over-recruited. They were never Division I athletes. Maybe they're part of a package deal. Maybe uh, coaches didn't do the due diligence to figure out that, hey, this kid is averaging 35 a game, but he's shooting, you know, he, he's, a, he, he's a, a, a 20, 40, 60 kid. <laughs> yeah, He ain't going to be able to make free throws in the Thomas and Mac, okay? Or you may look and this kid is you know, he's playing up in, you know, Win a mucca, and he's averaging 40 a game, and he's never played against anybody over 6'4. You know, and sometimes you get a kid who he just got, he was not necessarily over recruited, but other guys develop, other guys get better, or whatever. We have to figure out, not the NCAA, but we need to figure out as coaches how we're going to utilize the port. Um, just like Juco basketball. Coaches that figure some conferences don't don't even recruit Juco, right? Then there's some conferences, they live off of Juco. Yeah. So I think you got to figure out how it fits in. Um, I don't necessarily think that the portal is a bad thing. I am i don't necessarily agree with it. I think that it really, really does, and in a lot of ways, it contradicts what we're trying to teach kids when they go to college.
0: So uh, – uh, Basically, what I'm taking from everything that you're saying, just me sitting here listening, right? At at the end of the day, portal, good, not necessarily bad, right? But what I'm understanding is that there needs to be more of an understanding on how to use the portal from coaches, right? Coaches need to understand what the portal is really about and what you're going to get from the portal, right? You said it yourself. There may be some coaching staffs that Lack that individual on the coaching staff that can go after that type of individual, that type of mm-hmm. player that is in the transfer portal, right? Because not necessarily are you always going to get in the, a guy in the transfer portal because of something negative. Some guys might be graduate transfers that just decide they want to go somewhere yes. else for the last year, right? Yeah, they, they wrote yes. it out. They had a great four years somewhere. They and
1: kudos to, the to Justin Webster. Yes, kudos to Justin Webster. Justin Webster graduated. He's been graduated. He's staying here, and not, he's one of the first kids I think I've seen across the country to post I'm staying as opposed to thank you, I'm moving on. And, and I I don't think – you know, just like the Mark Wade thing, I, I don't think we – we put a lot of blame on Kevin. We put a lot of blame on TJ. We put a lot yeah. of blame on Harper.
0: It's easy to blame but, the coaches, right, because that, that's normally where yeah. you can point the finger right away.
1: Uh, yeah, if, if we're going we looking at ourselves, this kid did the right thing. Bryce Hamilton stayed for fourth year. I know firsthand the programs that he would that he had an opportunity to go to that he would have played, and they had a run in the NCAA's. Okay? Uh, you know, he stays. You got Justin Webster. When everybody's wondering whether or not he's gonna stay or he's gonna go, he comes out and says, I'm staying. Let's do it one more time. And I think we need to be appreciative of that. Yeah. We need to be thankful of that. But like I said, I think the problem with the portal if there is a problem this is where the problem lies is that it goes against what we're teaching young people when they go to college mommy and daddy aren't here to hold your hand you have to face adversity things are never as good as they seem they're never as bad as they seem but facing this adversity and getting over it is what's going to ultimately make you better no matter what it is you end up doing and when we give them in this day in this culture that's grown up gaming and having a handheld device in their hand, things don't go right, they restart, they reset. So we're now allowing them to reset in life. My biggest gripe with the academics, uh, uh, with the educational system is that there's no such thing as a zero anymore. If you do the assignment and it's 10 questions and you miss nine of them, you get 10%. If I don't even do it, I get 50%. Now, how does that make any sense? Right. So there's a big difference. An F is an F. Yes. But 50 percent as opposed to 10 percent or zero percent is a big difference. So now you have kids that don't even do assignments. And then at the last second, they can turn in the assignment because you can always make up work and they have 50 percent. So now they can say that 50 percent there doesn't matter that much. I'll focus on this one. That's worth 200 points. You know, we're allowing them to push the reset button in real time now as opposed to just on a video game or just on their cell phone. And that's what I think the portal does. The portal is an extension of that mentality that, hey, we'll just hit the reset button when things aren't going the way that we like. Rather than say, hey, I guess I need to learn the different levels. Maybe I need to get a little bit better at this. Maybe I need to focus on it. We don't force kids to do those things. We just allow them to reset.
0: How frustrating is it for you, knowing the culture of UNOV, knowing the culture of the city when it comes to basketball, and watching these games, watching this season, and not only watching now, you're covering this team. You're covering this team, Chay. You're out there every night, and when they're on the road, you're at home watching these games, analyzing. At the end of the day, you are a coach. Maybe Mm -hmm. not a coach for UNLV, but you are a coach, and that will never change, ever. So I'm pretty sure you're very analytical of the team, not in a negative way to where you're ever going to post or bring this team down at all. But anything that you ever say is all factual, if I'm being honest. The conversations that I have with you, whether they're brief, whether it's a text message, whether it's a phone call, you've never lied about anything you've seen on or off the court. Mm -hmm. You and I have been at games where there's times where I'm watching the game and you're talking my ear off, but you're the only person. No, no, no. I mean this respectfully. You're the only person that I will sit there and let talk to me because you are pumping more knowledge into me as I'm watching this game. Mm -hmm. You point out things that other people may not see that are also sitting courtside or people that may be at home watching on the television that have a better view. You point out things that maybe some of the coaches, with all due respect on that coaching staff, haven't noticed or haven't looked at or may not be paying attention because they're putting too much focus on another individual. Right. Mm -hmm. And and, and talk a little bit about that and, 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 and how how you can handle that without blowing up because we know the world of social media and how it is now it's easy to be hot and grab your phone and put some things into words and then later go holy shit what did i do i shouldn't have done this right so what do you do what do you tell yourself since you've been covering this team now that you've been back
1: well you know the the biggest thing for me is that you know i fortunately i've lived my life trying to not say or do things that i'll regret later does that always work no but I believe that if your heart is in the right place, nine times out of 10, you're going to do and say as close to the right thing as possible. Um, my intentions is, I, I think if we could even go back and find that I thought that if Rick Pitino didn't get the job, that Kevin Kruger is right there and, and, and he may, and he may be the guy, right? Um, I want him to be successful, not so much because of my relationship with Kevin or, 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 or even because he's at UNLV and played here. Um, it's more or less as a coach. It's a, there's a brethren yeah. of, amongst us, and no, I, I listen. We don't want to see anybody get fired. You know, know, I fortunately have never been fired, and, and and I can't imagine that feeling, especially for guys like Dave Rice and for Kevin Krueger, who this is their home. This is they love this place, and I don't want the bad to fall on their shoulders. Which I heard that that uh, that Dave may be up for the New Mexico State job, and if so good luck we we you know i really hope that works okay, out for him, but that's a side note but um but however you know i i think that uh i think that like as you say and a lot of people say this when they sit next to me you know, it's not. it's like i'm i'm like one of those uh one of those military guys that you know something every time they hear a noise they jump under the table it's stuck <laughs> i'm i'm just that you know so i see the, the things that i usually get antsy about on the side it's just effort things that I see kids doing, I think those are more of an issue for UNLV than whether or not coaches know what they're doing or, or this, that, and the other. I really think that sometimes, and, and mind you, we are responsible for coaching effort. Correct. And when I say coach effort, I mean you either do it or you don't play. And I, and I, I think that sometimes I see that with kids and I'm like, holy crap. He, He's running the same speed as the ref. <laughs> and I'm sure that ref is older be me. Faster than me.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, you know what I mean? So come on, you know, uh, those are the things that really, really bother me. Um, effort. And, and, and that, I think, is what happens when you don't. And this is what people's complaint was, was about back in the day with JUCO guys. They're not like the four-year guys who eat, breathe, and, and live this school and this campus and its culture. They're here because it's an opportunity, you know. So if you and I work, you know, you and I go today, go get jobs, working at Walmart in the back and they're going to pay us two hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> we don't care about Sam Walton. We don't care about the price <laughs> drops or, or anything. two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So back, we're, you you know, we're back, back hour, there. Do not care. Right. Yeah. But the people that that are there from the beginning and a grassroots individuals, they want to see it succeed. Yeah. And I think that sometimes, and that's the biggest gripe I think that you have with the portal is guys come in one year and it's it's very hard to get them to either buy in like that or by the time they buy in, it's all over. You know, I think that's the beauty of what you see with Justin Webster and Jordan McCabe, guys that embraced this culture. So when I see the fan base So ready to, you know, I I love the fact that Isaiah Cottrell goes on on, on social media and says, how do you expect us to build a culture when you guys aren't even going to support coach? Speak up, young fella. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Talk about your mama. Don't let nobody talk about your coach. And I respect that. (laughs) I respect that. You know what I mean? Um, So, yeah, it's difficult for me. I I think it's more difficult for me. Like, I took a step back from going to practice. Um, I said... To, to a couple of people going wait, to wait, practice. Wait,
0: wait, wait. From going to UNLV practices during yeah season? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Talk about
1: that. Oh, man. It's because it's like, it would be like my wife and I getting a divorce. She meets a new guy who's a great guy. <laughs> He's a great guy, right? I see him every day. And then I see him and load up the car to go on vacation. And they're like, hey, Jay we're leaving. Could you, could you check the dogs for us and, and get the mail? Like, yeah, I got you guys. Have fun. It's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. Games aren't as bad. But practice, practice was, was getting a little much. And I would either leave just kind of in a mood or I would just be down. You know what I mean? Because the bigger picture is I'm not coaching. Gotcha. You know, I'm not coaching. So to to you know, when you were a kid and you wanted a bike for, for Christmas and you didn't get one, you go outside and all the kids in the neighborhood have bikes. You were mad at <laughs> Yeah, it's not good, you know. So but yeah, man, I, I um it is it is difficult. It is difficult to see not the way things are run, as much as it is to see that uh to see that, you know, we're not having the success that none of us. One. You know, Kevin's goal wasn't to to start out 10-0 and and, and, and and be a fifth or sixth seed or whatever it was in the Mountain West Conference. That wasn't his goal. That wasn't EJ Harkless's goal. Their goal was, you know, the first of January, their goal was to run through the Mountain West Conference and get a good seeding in NCAA tournament. Yeah. But, you know, like Kevin said to me, he was like, you know, at one point in time we could do nothing wrong. But now we're the worst things in the world. And that's just how social media is. So you know I mean it it's difficult and it's difficult for all parties involved, but I think we need to stay the course. I think we need to give everyone an opportunity to breathe to grow into who they need to become, um, figure it out, find a way but let's not be so quick to pull the trigger I think I think we've 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 gotten to the point where you know I, I think we're we're we, we've gotten to the point where we want to see a top ten ranking in the first two months of the season, if not, this isn't the guy. Like, you know, we, we've got we to step back a little bit. Okay. It's been a long time since we were on top of the basketball world. And to expect a, a, a young coach finding his way has been dealt a, a really tough hand these last two seasons, having to, to, to scrape at the last moment to find players. Um, I think we need to be a little bit more patient. I, I think we need to be a little bit more patient. I think he needs to have a sense of urgency, and I think those two things can meet in the middle and find some common ground. And, you know, like, if we could have been able to get high school kids this season take the lumps and then come out and say, hey, listen, we're going to take some lumps this year, but we're going to lean on the Jordan McCabe's and the Keyshawn Gilbert's and the Justin Webster's, the guys that have been in this conference that have been here. We're going to lean on those guys and allow them to show these young guys the way. But let me tell you, 2023, here we come. That, I think, would have been you buy yourself some time and you also give the fans, you put them on on alert and say, hey, we're doing this in a slow pace. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. We need you guys to, to run a pace with us. And we all do this together. Now we all have a vested interest. If Kevin gets two teased and gets tossed, we don't say fire him. We say, ah, oh, it's okay, coach. Look, he has passion for you guys. You guys meet his passion. We need to be on the same page. And we're a dysfunctional family right now because the parents and the kids and the extended family and the relatives, they're all over the place. And, and And they're dipping into what goes on behind closed doors over there a little too much. And I think, unfortunately, for Kevin as a young coach, and he's in a very precarious situation in this sense, too, if you think about this. He's a young coach with a Hall of Fame coach as a father. So he has both perspectives. Okay? He has both both perspectives. So he has to figure out, do I do it this way or do I do it the way my dad did? Or do I find my own way? And is that the right way? Because my dad wouldn't have done it this way or maybe my dad would have done it. You know, he's got a lot of voices on his shoulders. So, you know. So,
0: my other question for you too, because it, it's been brought to it's been brought to me. What I mean by that, people have been asking me that as well. That follow the program and follow college basketball, that see other individuals that were with the program that might have moved on and gone to other places, right? One of them being Trey Woodbury. Trey Woodbury, Utah Valley, had a really good season. Second leading scorer on the team, averaging a little over thirteen points. Leading yeah. a leading assist man on the team. Leading three point field goal percentage man on the team. I mean, is this something that Kevin missed out on? Is this something that the coaching staff missed out on? Or it was just something that didn't fit in their plans? And, and sometimes, you know, guys go elsewhere and it just – they show out. Is, is that what happened?
1: Well, listen, the – I don't think that that's – I mean, great player. You know, I, I don't think that that's as big as the problem or, or a thorn in the side of true people on the inside of UNLV basketball. When you look at Julian or a Vegas kid – knocked down the biggest shot of the season last night. And um I know firsthand from them that he had some meetings with that staff. And it wasn't Kevin staff. It wasn't Kevin Staff. At that, you know, and that last night, I mean, as much as I, 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 I love seeing that kid being successful, love his dad, you know, um, him hitting that shot was like a punch in the stomach to me last night, man, because I I thought I thought numerous times if he was playing here. Oh, that's what you know and, and the thing is this you know man if he would have been playing here and to think him playing alongside Bryce Hamilton him playing alongside some of the guys over the past few years it's a totally different story and i know firsthand that when your program does well you attract even better players oh yeah okay so if there's if there's been a player over the last few years that i think That not we necessarily listen, you're going to miss kids. You're just not going to get them. Some kids already have in their mind, I don't want to be here anymore. They hate the summers. They hate their friends. They have, you know, they want to get away from everything, you know. So you're going to lose kids. That's just the nature of it. You know, in 2004, we were very good. We were ranked number one in the nation the majority of the season. We had a kid from Bishop Gorman, Denara Taylor, who coaches the AAU team, Las Vegas Knicks out here. He, uh, we had him on that team. We were unbelievable. Great team. And a kid that I almost had come out there with us was Jason Carter, 6'10", lefty, ended up going to the University of San Francisco, was a really good player. We lost in the championship, and often I think how different our team would be with Jason. And we had two All-Americans on that team, three guys off that team played extensively at the professional level, but he would have been another piece that I think that we would have been that much better as a second unit. And I think it would have been impossible for teams to beat us, you know? So you're always going to lose out on kids and you're going to look back and say, man, we would have that kid or that kid. So, you know, g- you know, kudos to Trey, like great, great job, you know, and Julian, I mean, last night was a great, great moment for Las Vegas basketball. Yeah. With the exception of, of beating the number one team, uh, you know, a decade ago with, with, you know, Bano's run, Coach Kruger's Sweet 16 run. I'll put it to you this
0: way. I'll put it to it you this great. way. I, I, I work with Julian's cousin. Well, okay. His cousin Jazz. They're they're. I'm talking about close, close cousins. Like she talked to me about. You know, hey, I talked to Julian today. This, that, and the other. Right. She's super yeah. cool. Obviously, doesn't share any personal information. That's between them and the family. But I know how passionate they are about basketball. You should have seen her pacing back and forth before being off to go to that game the other day. I told <laughs> her Jazz. You mm-hmm. guys got this. No, no, I'm not saying we're not gonna win. I'm, I'm so nervous. I'm like, Jazz, you guys are gonna come out. Julian's gonna do his thing. He's gonna come up big when it matters. It's gonna happen. As soon as the game yep. was over, I FaceTimed her. She was on the court.
1: I told you. I told. You. She said, Oh my
0: God! I can't believe it. So that just shows you the passion that there are. That I'm sorry. That there is here in Vegas with families, right? Yes. I mean, there's yes. there's so much passion when it comes to basketball, which yes. leads me to my next to my next question with you, which which you already brought up. The local kids. I, I, I totally understand that there are kids that it's not that they don't like UNLV or that they may this this dislike the program or anything like that. There's just some kids that live in a different era that their mindset is, I want to go to the North Carolinas. I want to go to the Dukes. I yeah. want to go to the Michigan yeah. States if yeah. I'm that good, right? Yeah. That, that's what they feel. It's not necessarily that they put UNLV lower at the bottom of the totem pole. It's just some kids yeah. see the name, the flash, the pizzazz of, yeah. of the Blue Bloods. You know what I mean? And they want exactly. to be there now. How can a program like UNLV, again, not necessarily Kevin, but just in general as a whole, because it also has to come from the top, right? It has to come from from Harp, I think, as well, to help with some type of recruitment in any way that he can with the city and the program in general. I don't know how all that works, but how do they find a way to at least tap into more of the local talent and try to keep more? Obviously, you're not going to keep all of it. You already said that.
1: But yeah, how do yeah. you
0: try to keep more of it? Are they lacking in that department right now?
1: Well, I'll tell you right now, the 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 local kid that is going to save UNLV program is not the best in his class right now. He may not even be a starter right now, okay? The kid that's going to save... L- listen, let's not get it twisted. Matt Offit was the guy that UNLV needed and that Tark wanted and didn't get, okay? Greg Anthony went to Portland and came back home, okay? Greg did his thing. He really represented well, won us a national championship, no doubt about it. But Matt Althick, if Matt Althick would have came, you might have, you know, you might have never seen Greg. There wouldn't have been an opportunity for Greg here, you know what I mean? So it isn't always the best guy. It isn't always... The, the, you know, the DJ Thomas, it isn't always, you know, the, the Mobley, it can be the second for the Jojo Cunningham's it could be the tape beyond Jackson's guys like that. I thought that a, a perfect example of that was Anthony Marshall, Jonathan Lloyd and I had a long conversation the other night about this. Okay. Jonathan Lloyd would, I love saying this, Jonathan Lloyd, is probably one of the best athletes to ever come out of Las Vegas. This is a kid who was a starting point guard at Oregon when they won the Pac-12 championship. He also played on a football team. He was a kick returner on a football team, brought a pump back that season when my Ohio State Buckeyes – I don't like that comment you make about Coach Meyer at the beginning, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> the, uh, well, my Buckeyes played face. them in the national I did, championship.
0: I did see your face. After. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's funny every time I hear it. But, you know, Jonathan Lloyd is a great player. Great, 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 great player, right? Went to Oregon, did his thing there on the basketball floor, played at Gorman, did his thing there. He would have come to the UNLV in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. And he still stands there, right? You know, um... But the reality is, when you want, when 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 you're looking to get the best player, yes, that's great. But sometimes it isn't always the best player that makes the difference. Sometimes it's a guy that's a fringe player. It's a guy that's perfect for your system. That's another thing. Kevin isn't necessarily in a place where he can recruit system guys because in a system, you have five or six guys that make a system work. Five or six guys aren't going to be available in one class. Yeah. It just isn't going to happen. One's going to be a twenty twenty two kid. It's going to be a twenty twenty three kid. Oh, you got lucky in twenty twenty four. You got two of them. There's a juco kid or a transfer. You build it slowly. It's not like Home Depot when you just go buy the you go buy the brackets, you go buy the nails, you go buy the screws and four by fours. And you, you know it's not yeah. that easy. You have to, it takes time to build it. You know, so sometimes you, you're building, you're bringing in a piece. But Kevin hasn't had the luxury of, of having a system in place and saying, okay, we need a guy that can this and go out and spend their summer looking in their spring, looking for that kid. Because you don't have enough guys to have six guys in workouts. We need bodies, you know? So I think that that's another thing that we need to understand that uh, Kevin hasn't had the opportunity to do. So I get you with the local things, but it's kind of like I used to have this argument, everybody, used to, when they used to say, well, when are we going to win an Oscar? There's, you know, all these, all, you know, all these black actors don't. Well, Soul Plane ain't winning an Oscar. OK, Soul Plane ain't winning an Oscar. For a long time, it was Forrest Whitaker and Denzel. And if they didn't do it, we weren't going to win one that year. You know, so, I mean, we got to be realistic about things. And sometimes the, the local kid isn't he's not better just because he's local. You got to find the right guy. And I think that if, if, in, in due time, once Kevin has established what his system is and what it looks like, and the pieces to that puzzle, we're going to see some kids around town that be perfect for it. I personally thought that Tavion Jackson from Las Vegas High School would have been perfect. I thought he would have been really, really good. I thought he would have played very well with Keyshawn. I think that defensively, they could have been very, very good. You know, um, it's. Uh, but you know, like I said, I, I don't necessarily think. I think it's also unfair to put the burden on the shoulders of one kid, you know, for, you know, if we have a kid that's, you know, a top 10 kid in the nation and say, well, you have to come here. You have to come here. The program needs you. The program needs you to put that on the shoulders of an 18 or 19 year old at home. is crazy. You know? So, I mean, like I said, I keep coming back to this. I think we just have to be patient.
0: So with all due respect to Kevin, his staff, the whole program and all that, would you say, that the program would benefit from an individual as yourself with what you can bring to the table. And what I mean by that, your experience, knowing the city, knowing the program, knowing the culture, do you Mm -hmm. feel that you would be an asset if UNLV would give you that opportunity to be a part of this? Um, Oh yeah. I've said
1: that. I've I've said that for the last, Mm. I've said it for 30 years, but I I think it's been legitimate for the last 10 years. I've gotten my feet wet. I understand the relationships between players and coaches in the community and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's not a person on earth that loves UNLV more than I do. There, there's bottom line. I, I, I don't care who it is. You know, there's not a person on earth that loves that university and that program more than I do. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've said this to you before, one of the greatest compliments that I've ever been given in all the accolades I've had basketball wise playing and coaching is when uh, Robert Smith, who uh, he had endorsed me um, when uh, when TJ was before TJ was hired, and uh, he said we need a guy we need a, a guy like Jay Jones who's a true rebel, and being recognized by so many of those guys like Anderson and Mark Richard Box Ricky Sobers, and uh, even the younger guys as a rebel is 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 a, is a compliment. I've had my success on the other side of the country, you know my heart is is, is in Ohio, uh, but. You know, I, I love UNLV, and I will always love UNLV, and UNLV raised me. It raised me as as a young player. It raised me ultimately to the coast that I wanted to be and the type of kids that I wanted to help. Um, I understand this, this city like the back of my hand. I think that I've given and represented the city very well, so I think the city really stands behind me in a lot of things that I, I do. I think I've, you know, like I said to you before, trying to make sure that you're always on the side of what's right, um, and I think I've done that for, uh, you know, 52 years is a long time, you know, (laughs) but uh, I think I've done that for a long enough time that people trust in me and believe in in me and and how genuine and sincere I am with things. And, uh, you know, I know that I would help any program in the country, but and and I don't care what what program it is, but I know definitely I would be able to help UNLV's program. There's no question about that to me, you know.
0: So my final question, my guy, and i let you go on. We, we, we went on for almost an hour here. I thought it was only going to be something between the transfer portal. And that's why I love talking to people like yourself, because we can have a conversation and just go on and not even check the clock, right? That's the best part about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You bring so much knowledge to the table and I greatly appreciate it. But I've been hearing a lot for the last three years about this. And I've also done my due diligence, meaning looking around the arena when I'm there looking up social media posts of what alumni are and aren't saying I feel myself, and I'm not attacking the, the program again. I want to make that clear because we are credentialed by the university. I don't want anyone to think that we're trying to bring this program down. But we do speak on what we see from time to time, right? And mm-hmm. and, and I truly feel that there's not enough alumni presence as at these games. You, you understand what I'm saying? Not necessarily yeah. saying that UNLV is not respecting the previous alumni or reaching out or any of that. I just don't see enough of them in attendance. Now, again, not sure if that's the university, not sure if that's just the previous players' not really caring about the program or whatever it may be, but do you feel the same sentiment as me? Do you, see, do you feel that we don't have enough in attendance on a night-to-night basis?
1: Uh, yeah, but I also think that we don't have enough Las Vegas there. I mean, if we, if, if we were to take every UNLV football player, women's and men's basketball player from the last 15 years, how many seats do you think that would fill? A lot. And then they bring their wives and their husbands and their kids. How many seats do you think that would fill? So the fact that alumni aren't in the building isn't the problem, Las Vegas. Okay. Isn't the problem, Las Vegas? Okay, but I will say this: if, if if I was a part of that, that would be the first thing that I would do, okay. is I would really get this alumni to say, "Listen, it's like kids of divorce. You can't keep complaining and saying what mom did and what dad did, and this. At some point in time, we have to bury that. We got to move forward because I think a big problem is." Former players don't understand what it what being a coach entails is aside from the X's and O's and recruiting. They don't understand the pressures that come from the regents, from the administration, from the boosters. They don't necessarily understand that. They don't understand oftentimes what the NCAA does and doesn't allow. OK, and then I think that sometimes administration doesn't understand that players don't they don't necessarily want, you know, a handout. They just want to walk into an arena that was once home to them with their children or now their significant others that had nothing to do with UNLV. And those people are appreciated. Because as an athlete, I know how much you're giving, but more importantly, what you're not taking, what you're not doing and partaking in. And and the things that's curriculum you could be doing that you're not doing because you're devoting yourself to this institution. And once you do that, sometimes you would simply like Thanks. That's all. That's all. You know, I mean, my thanks isn't the fact that they retired my jersey. It's awesome. And my kids talk about it and I talk. It's awesome. But that isn't it. The fact that people remember me there and appreciated me there. And if I go back there, they see me and give me a hug. That's what matters. And I think that that oftentimes is what gets lost is that administration thinks that players want more than they rightfully deserve. And I think that players think that the administration and the coaching staff are not doing things that they probably aren't capable of doing you know so somebody so, needs to bridge that gap
0: so look i'll be 100% honest with you i'm I'm on, I'm on your side and what i mean by that i think you'd be a great asset not necessarily just with UNLV on any coaching staff let me let me throw that out there okay i'm being 100% mm-hmm. real with you it's not just about UNLV in general just your pedigree what you've done the way you follow the game the knowledge that you have the way you can just sit there and analyze it in and out knowing you're still not on that sideline for that particular reason. You're just here as a spectator and doing your job. It's just crazy to me that you haven't had that opportunity on the bigger stage. I mean, you've already succeeded. We're not saying you're not a successor. You're you're way beyond that. But I think that you need to get that opportunity to show what you can do and what you can bring to a program. Like you said, not necessarily a head coaching job, but part of the coaching staff, right? To show what you have and what you can bring. Now, again, I, I truly hope that Kevin tries to broaden his horizons or what I mean by that, whether it's you or anyone else, right? Let's try to understand what this program needs and what this program has to become because I mm-hmm. feel that Kevin is still trying to figure that out. I'm not saying he can't do it. I think he's still trying to put the pieces together and you said it perfectly and, and I never thought of that. The fact that he does have his dad there, right? And he has that history that his father had and now he's trying to create his. It's like, where do I go? Do I go left or do I go right? Or do I just go right down the middle and try to figure it out and see what happens? And I think that's where he's at right now. I think he's, yeah. at, a, he's at a crossroads where he's like, I know what I want to do with this program, but I just don't know how to quite do it just yet, if yeah. that makes sense. You yeah, know what I mean?
1: And you need somebody to say, you know what? Let's do it. Exactly. <laughs> You know, because I mean, sometimes you're, you're scared to jump, jump off. Yeah, you're, you're kind of scared to jump. You you just need a friend sometimes to be like, man, let's jump. Come on, let's go. Like, You know, jump oh, in that man, water, you know?
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. But hey, man, I greatly appreciate you, my brother, so much. For giving no me an hour of your time. So the thing about this, I'm going to let you know real quick. You're someone that I know I can get on 10, 20, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is, and chop it up. I'm going to be doing a lot of shows like this on the go because I think that it's more important to go on a topic-to-topic basis, and what I mean by that. Topics arise on a daily, right? The topics yep. we talked about arise in the last couple of days. So it's perfect timing to talk about it. So exactly. whenever you're free again, my guy, if there's any topics that you may feel that need to be voiced or you want to talk about, hit me up, let me know. We'll make it happen. I greatly appreciate right. you coming on. Let everyone know where they can find you on all things social media and what you got going on, brother. Uh,
1: yeah. So, you know, what I'm in the process of doing right now is, is I'm trying to, to, uh, to get funding. I'm trying to get interest, interest, um, behind placing a UNLV alumni team into the TPT. It's a million-dollar uh, prize for a uh, two-week tournament that consists of a lot of former uh, former professional players, um, guys that are really good that maybe didn't play professionally or, coll- or collegiately, um, and a lot of alumni teams. And I think that we need to be represented uh, in, in that tournament. Last year, Buffalo, one of my former players, Blake Hamilton, who's the older brother of Bryce Hamilton, His team, his alma mater, Buffalo University, University Buffalo, they won the whole thing, and um, I just feel as though we have enough talent to field a good team to be to represent Las Vegas and UNLV basketball very, very well. Um, So I'm in the process of of getting the funds together and the sponsorships together to uh, put our um, our representation our our representative in that tournament. So um, you can find information about me and the things that I'm doing at Coach Che Jones. On Twitter. You also can look at what we're doing, what we're trying to do with that alumni team. And we're going to be called Rebels Running. Instead of running Rebels, we're Rebels Running. And uh we're going to be looking to uh at not not look back on the past, but use the past to propel ourselves into the future. And uh really, really, really um embrace this uh this culture, this this brethren of UNOV basketball, and how it really, really changed not only our city but the culture.
0: Che, I got the video up from your Twitter page that you're talking about. I saw it the other day. I want to share this real quick for a lot of people that don't know about it. The TBT tournament is amazing. I've watched it on ESPN year in Mm -hmm. in the last couple years. It's something completely different, and it's bringing you alumni. It's bringing you guys that if you watched your program, whether it was growing up, whether it was recently, you're going to find guys in there that are going to be like, man, I remember watching it. I remember going to this thing. I remember watching yeah. this guy live. So it's a great, great opportunity to get some great basketball, some great talent, and some great culture for those younger people that may not know a lot of these guys. It's a great opportunity to get out there. So I'm gonna go ahead and share this real quick, Che, and then we'll go ahead and get out of here after that, my man. Let's see. All
1: right, man. Harder, and we played harder.
0: The Rebels had developed an us against them mentality that was hard to overlook and
1: easy to criticize. Where UNLV, you were basically saying I too am a rebel and I identify with their rebellious spirit. UNLV came from behind to beat Georgia Tech
0: to reach its first NCAA championship game. You know we're all basketball players and we'll find out tonight who the better team is. UNLV, the number one seed out of the West, they'll wear their home. Henderson with a three to start the game and Utkin and the first three on the
1: It's really going bad for my success. Something that we can all be proud of, and you'd be proud to be from Las Vegas because of the Rebels. There you go,
0: the Rebels <laughs> running. If you guys don't know, now you know. Go out there and support my guy Chan and what he's trying to do. I- I'm excited, man. I- I'm gonna be honest with you, and the fact that I know you and that you're the person that's trying to get this together, I know it's gonna be an amazing squad, man. I know you're gonna do the best that you can to get. Yeah, man. I
1: mean, I-, I watched that probably once a week, man. I, it still gives me goosebumps. Uh, you know, I, uh, I remember, uh, winning a national championship and a lot of it, I, I was in the back of my mind remembering us, you know, in Denver, you know, uh, Sean Watkins and Anderson and Stacey and Larry and Moses and, and all those guys jumping around and cutting down nets. And when I got to go up there and cut down the net, I was like the most unbelievable thing of my life, you know? And, uh, I, I still get goosebumps watching that video, man. That was, uh, it was the greatest the greatest thing, man. It's
0: the greatest thing. Oh my guy, greatly appreciate you. It's Friday. Go ahead and enjoy your weekend. I'm not sure if you're gonna be out at the Vipers game or the Knights game or the ba- Night Hawks, anything. There's a lot of stuff going on this weekend. I think we got the Benavides uh Caleb plant fight. If you're a boxing fan, that should mm-hmm. be a great fight as well. But my guy, greatly appreciate you. Enjoy your time this weekend. Say hi to the wifey. It's been too long since we all got together.
1: Yes, uh, me, yes.
0: Me Casa Sue Casa, you already know that. My yes. wife got along with yours. Let's chop it up. Let's have dinner. Let's do something cool. sweet, my brother. Cool.
1: We'll do that, man. Definitely.
0: All right, my man. You take care of yourself. Thank you so much. All right, man. Thanks on. for having me. A great day. Peace. There you go. Our guy, Chad Jones, Coach Chad Jones, Ched Malik, however you want to call him. A lot of people give him different names, but we greatly appreciate him joining us today. And all you guys that tuned in, chopped it up with us. We greatly appreciate you. You were tuned into another episode of Straight Bet Sports live here from Las Vegas on our YouTube and Twitter pages and Facebook, of course, as well. We're going to go ahead and get on out of here. But look, man, I'll be at the Vipers game tomorrow, giving you guys some coverage from out there. Hopefully, they can come out with the W. Vegas Nighthawks as well of the IFL. Home opener tomorrow night. We talked to Darius Geis last night. We're going to have that audio up here shortly as well. You guys remember him, former LSU running back and Washington Redskins running back as well. He's on the team. Yes, he will be playing there. So, guys, thank you so much for the love, the respect, and everything that you guys do for us and the show. We greatly appreciate you. Till next time, we are out. Peace.